It's Ryan Lucella all along, and you're listening to the Super Lit Podcast. expecting but it was also that yes perfect i'm so glad that that song happened it was what we deserved it's it's it is the one thing that has i never thought like the saving grace of the day you know like the final girl it was agatha all along like it's like the final girl of like 2020 it's like the one thing that's going to survive and, and redeem human 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 like the human race yes it's it's going to be agatha I literally um, like went into that show like googling who she was just to like find out. Um, That was the wrong thing to do. No, and none of the source material pointed me to Catherine Hahn going, "What if we made a theme song?" Oh, (laughs) you know it was her going. Yeah, I love the script, but um, I have some notes. (laughs) (laughs) I have some notes. The gays told me they need a theme song. (laughs) Uh huh. Um, hi everyone, my name is Brendan Patrick, that's Seth Green. We have Ryan Sala here with us today, and we are talking about the book Be Dazzled. Hey! Yeah, hey, Be Dazzled. You're here too? Oh my god. <laughs> she's been here. Oh, <gasps> look at her. Her. Right? look at her. Right? Look at her. I tried to put glittery eyeshadow on today, and it said, no, microscopic glitter. So it just looks like I have like a weird smoky eye on. I'm very disappointed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I trust you. I have faith Thank in the you. glitter that you've put on your face. Yeah, <laughs> I believe it's there. Yeah, mm-hmm. I do like, too. It's like there's there's a little something. I see a shimmer, a just glimmer, like a little like a daytime hourglass glow. It's optimistic know. though. I see glitter on all things. Yeah, <laughs> glitter's Friend, a point you of should, view. You should get your eyes checked. <laughs> yeah. No, I do. I should. Or maybe that's just your house. I think I think that's just your house. Honestly. Yeah, I'm like I'm like there's nothing wrong with my eye. That's glitter. My doctor's like that's glaucoma. <laughs> That's astigmatism. <laughs> That's astigmatism. Lights shouldn't no. look like that. Yeah. Oh no. Um, let me pull up my notes. Um, the first thing that I would love if you could do is uh, the last mm. time we spoke to you, I think either Bedazzled had just been announced or. Yeah, I think that's what happened. I can't remember around what time we spoke to you last. I think it was in October. Yeah, it was back in the fall. Yeah. When, um, when was Bedazzled? announced do you mean when it came out that was in d- january Dazzled came out year. in january january 5th 2021 yeah yeah i th- i think you announced <laughs> i think you announced it last year no you just announced it today hey everyone but <laughs> just came out yeah um, surprise yeah um yeah the last time we spoke to you i think that's what happened if you could give us like a little like talk to us about your book like what is she about who is Bedazzled? Okay. So Bedazzled is a like contemporary rom-com, I suppose. And on the surface, it's about two ex-boyfriends who are 
basically sorting out their really messy breakup in a competitive arts and crafts competition at like a comic book convention. And so that's like the book on, on the surface, but there's there's a lot more to it. So basically it focuses on Raphael Odom, who goes by Rafi, who's like a young streamer. Mm-hmm. Uh, he has like a channel on, art, uh, on um, a streaming platform called Ion, which is sort of like Twitch. And on it, he, he builds like these elaborate cosplays and these costumes. And he's actually like made quite a name for himself. He's quite the savant when it comes to building like arts and crafts type of uh, cosplays. Mm-hmm. Um, but he hides all of it from his mother because she's a really famous artist. She's like a very, she's like a posh artist lady, uh, <laughs> sort of like an Edna mode <laughs> of this world. And she thinks that what he does is totally like reductive and she actually like equates it to like plagiarism she she thinks that art is not something that you can you know buy at like a craft store and do yourself in like your basement she thinks it has to be like lofty so he's got that tension and uh he's trying to prove to her that it's like real that it's like real art what he does so to do that he's going to win this huge cosplay championship and get you know these recruiters to reach out to him and this is how he's going to get into art school he's got this huge plan but when he shows up at the con his ex-boyfriend shows up as well to compete against him. And they were supposed to be competing together because it's like a, it's sort of like a um, like duo challenge, this like convention. Uh, but instead they're competing against one another. And so they're sort of thrust into this arena um, at first against one another. And then eventually they have to, they have to work together. And uh, it turns into this, this huge situation where they have to basically sort out what happened. But at the same time, the book is toggling between this big competition that they're in together. And then uh, it also jumps into the past and we sort of see the two of them meet and become boyfriends and we watch that relationship develop. So we're kind of toggled between the the, the past and the present. And it zips together, get it? Like a zipper on like a yeah. costume, uh, to, to make sort of a, uh, a big splashy finish. So you'll have to you'll have to read to find out. But yeah, that's, that's the book. Honestly, um... It going back and forth in time was really amazing. Uh, I didn't think it was going to take place over the course of just like the just the weekend, mm-hmm. but as all cons do, <laughs> during <laughs> during the now part of the book, uh, it I thought it was going to be like the con afterwards, and then like after that as well. And I was like, oh my gosh, it's literally the full con weekend. This is amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, the first note I had was that at first glance, I'm on page nine. <laughs> Uh, the voice of this book sounds so much like Ryan actually speaking. It's comical, but the, also the parts that have instructions or descriptions are wildly smart. I was like sitting in the back room at work, like like this, going, "Oh my god, this just sounds like Ryan talking to me." Like it, just, yeah, I can hear it. <laughs> the book is written in like a very, very, very like colloquial, like first person which I think sounds a lot like me. It was a very easy book to write because it's it's not that far off from, like if you follow me on like Twitter, it's like one it's like one long tweet basically. <laughs> it's the yeah. book. It was just like, honestly, the funniest thing. My manager comes back, she's like, what are you doing? I was like, I think this is the funniest book I've ever read. <laughs> she was like, oh. yeah? And I was like, yeah. And, and, and I told her what it's about. She's like, oh, like you're really like, you're sitting back here and like screaming about like, a convention right now I was like yeah because it just like as an anime person I like feel like it just has wrapped up like all of the weird like things that happen at anime <laughs> conventions like with the, a ribbon it's like here you go yeah <laughs> I read you I'm glad well the thing is like like 
conventions are such fascinating like ecosystems and anybody who's attended one knows that automatically but you don't see them in fiction a lot you see people like sort of observe from the outside it's always like the outsider's perspective as they go by like a trekking convention and see a bunch of like you know nerds running around right and you sort Mm -hmm. of get the like ha 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 like distant laugh at the convention people but they're fascinating and there's so much more to them when you're actually like inside of them and in that mm-hmm. world and when like you can sort of speak fluently in, in those references and to be frank like the people that I'm writing for are the people that are inside the building already right yeah. like I'm that's like this book is sort of about that and of course people read it and I get tons of feedback from people that have no idea what cosplayer conventions are and they love it as well which is great like that's mm-hmm. really affirming and I'm glad that it kind of transcends that but Ultimately, you know, Rafi is a huge nerd. And so that's why his language is completely like laden with like pop culture references that sort of span like, you know, a century of pop culture, basically. I was just talking last night to uh, my old roommate, Amanda, about anime conventions. That's actually how Sophie and I met. We met at an anime convention. I broke (laughs) one of her props. Oh my gosh. What was the prop? What was the prop? I want to hear about this. It was a keyblade that I. I knew it was a keyblade. I smashed it. (laughs) You smashed um, Sophie's keyblade. I mean, it was definitely built from like styrofoam and like PVC pipe, and not meant to actually be used in battle. Well, and then was used in battle. In battle, I think I like went up to you and like like I was like, "Can I have this for this photo that's happening?" Um, I was like, "Oh yeah, sure." Yeah, and then I broke it. Oh, Sophie doesn't let me near things anymore. I would have ejected you from Earth. I have no idea how we became friends based on that. Oh, that's uh, incredible. DeviantArt. Yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah, it, it gets worse. Yeah. It gets worse. Just you wait, kids. It gets that worse. is their logo it slogan. It gets worse um, here. It got worse. <laughs> Actually, like, just to confirm. I think my first note is literally, like, a convention is the absolute perfect backdrop for drama yeah because I have like so many experiences where like if you aren't the person who goes to the con if you just like miss that con or you come back and you're like okay what happened and it's like well so-and-so started dating on Friday and then by Saturday night they were already broken up and then Sunday morning like it's like literally entire relationships are like built and broken it's buck wild people are sleeping all over the place because everyone because like con hotel room is always like oh can we fit 10 people in one room because we all want to split the bill that'll yeah. end well when so-and-so's ex is sleeping in the bathtub and yeah. like it just it's the perfect backdrop for drama they're so, so yeah excited. they're like pressure cookers and also mm-hmm. I feel like I can say this because I'm one of these people but like the people that cons attract are uniformly kind of weird no one has it all no one has all their cards like they're (laughs) everyone's missing something and um usually it's some sort of social grace because it's like it's like weebs geeks dorks right it's like all these people and it Mm -hmm. tends to be the big like these people are used to socializing usually on the internet or like you know not face-to-face often and so it just turns into this like really high energy that's like hyper concentrated because it's like the one weekend uh you know after a few months of like pressure building that like everyone's Mm -hmm. together all of a sudden Mm -hmm. and there's something incredible about that energy actually it's it's kind of akin to like what i imagine a a sports game is like for people that are like super huge fans of teams like they communicate with the people that are you know on their team or sort of like rooting for their team or whatever 
Mm-hmm. But it's not until you get to that like game that suddenly there's that like really incredible energy that just accelerates all of these other like processes. Yeah. I just think it's better when it comes to cons because I also think that they're much more fascinating. It's, than it's so games. much fun. Yeah, yeah, there's always like the person in the room who's like in the corner at 1 a.m. hot gluing something together, trying mm-hmm. to finish the costume mm-hmm. for whatever for the masquerade the next day. There's like mm-hmm. someone who's like sorting through all the merch they bought that day. And then like so-and-so is hiding from someone because drama is happening over here. And it's just like, yeah, I think like the opening scene is like Rafi goes up, is like rolling up to the con like in half cosplay. Like, okay, we're going to yeah. go into the bathroom to like, to like assemble myself yeah Yeah. everything together and like that's one of those experiences where it's like if you're like at a bar drunk and you're in the bathroom with a bunch of people you're suddenly best friends if you're at a con in the morning everyone's helping each other put each other's costume on like making sure each other's like wings are centered like it's such a good experience it's so it's like a constant green room and you know what uh like I did not know we were going to be talking about this specifically, but just now someone on TikTok found me and was like, this is so random, but like you and I met in line for like the changing rooms at like New York Comic Con. Um, Like, I don't know if you remember me and I like remember exactly who this person was because it was exactly that. Like we were like helping each other like assemble a costume and I was at Comic Con um, because I was researching like Be Dazzled. Like that's why I was there. I was like there with my con friends. I was there with my own ex-boyfriend that I was like helping figure out like like his cosplay and uh-huh. like it was before it was before the book was even done but then this person finds it completely out of nowhere through like tiktok literally just today and was like oh like i know you right like we've met and i'm like yeah i know exactly who you are and i'm oh like now gosh. again friends with this person that's so amazing I love that so mm-hmm. much mm-hmm. oh my god so i think the first note i had about evie is that i need to meet Ev- is it evie or evie evie like the evie. pokemon Oh, okay, so I was reading it and I was like, oh, this is like, it has to be Evie. I like that it's Evie. Um, she sounds like a Terminator robot. <laughs> oh, I love that. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. Like an artsy like, Terminator robot. Everything about oh her God. feels like every awful art school teacher I have that I think mm-hmm. I don't like, it, like, oh, you can't make photographs on your phone. That's for peasants. What are you talking <laughs> yes. about? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Evie is like, um, have you ever seen, I, I was, she's not inspired by my own mother. And I point that out in every interview mm-hmm. because I think people think that I'm like, because Raffy Where did you get the inspiration for this? It has to be your own mom. Yeah, <laughs> like, right. no. Well, because Raffy's so similar to me that they mm-hmm. think that like, oh, Evie, like must be also a character from my life because I'll, like there are other characters in the book that are from my life, but Evie's mm-hmm. not one of them. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I always wonder, like, where did I, like, where did she come from? Because now, because my mom grills me on this every time I see her. She's like, did, like, did I do this? And I'm like, no, mom. Like, you were, my mom sacrificed so many tablecloths to me, just, like, learning how to, like, cut up clothes that I would just, like, ruin her tablecloths all the time. I would get paint on them. I would snip them up by accident. Like, yeah. she, she's been real supportive. She does not deserve the association. But I think <laughs> when I think of where I got Evie, I do think of the art teachers that I had that were just, like, basically gatekeepers around like taste in a really um, Mm -hmm. silly way. I remember I used to love to draw Sailor Moon characters and Mm -hmm. that informed a lot of the other art that I did. And I'm I'm a very, I'm a visual artist actually before I'm a writer. Um, And I was drawing, I was doing an art project and I was drawing what I typically draw. And uh, it wasn't like a Sailor Moon character. It was something original, but um, an art teacher like came in and 
um, was like, oh, so I see you're still drawing these like fairies. Like that's, that was like what he could like assimilate them to in like his mind. He couldn't even like, even know what like manga or anime was. He, had, mm-hmm. he was so deeply out of touch with like pop culture that he couldn't even, like he was, he just assumed that I was sort of trapped into this like whimsical, like juvenile, like fairy phase. And even if I was, fuck off so yeah what? Like, exactly. that's great like yeah. let me draw my fucking fairies his art was trash and like so I, I mean he's saying my art's trash and here I am saying his is trash except I'm an I'm a author of pop culture things and who's heard of him no one <laughs> um, <laughs> being is that like he's these people on Winx. Yeah, but yeah right now now I am bloom from winks <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah no I I had art teachers that were that were like that that um instead of looking at like what I wanted to do basically tried to nudge me towards sort of doing real art what they consider to be real art and the Mm -hmm. fact of the matter is is that like no art is not real art right Mm -hmm. like yeah people know that i know that as much as i want to make fun of that photographer that made those terrible photos um from w magazine like w magazine yeah i love that like oh well his response to saying like oh you just don't understand it because instagram has rotted your brain and you don't get art Okay, so what we're not going to do is blame Instagram for that. We can go through the litany of shit that it has caused, but not that, honey. Like, we don't get your art because it's not, to me, good. But I do love seeing celebrities, like, rolling around on the grass, like, in front of an apartment building in Los Angeles. Like, I do love that shit. But they're just not great. (laughs) Yeah, no. (laughs) I, yeah, look, I, I, People might think that my takeaway from Bedazzled is that like everyone's art is valid and I don't like your art's valid just not to me like that's how I feel about that photographer I'm like look I will defend your like privilege to do art on your own terms that I'm very much in here but like that looks like poop to me yeah maybe that's a me problem that's fine maybe Instagram has rotted my brain I don't think that's the case no ultimately I like this doesn't evoke anything for me so Mm -hmm. if your if your goal was to evoke complete neutrality out of like my eyeballs then way to go. You did that. But <laughs> short of that, I don't know. I don't I don't know what you want from me. Oh my God. Yeah. That's I could go on for hours about uh the gatekeeping within the art community, especially so much in relation it, yeah. to kids who like to draw like anime style things. I don't know yeah. what it oh, is. Yeah. Teachers for some reason always look at kids doing anime stuff and they're like, oh, you don't know actually know how to draw. It's like, I don't. <laughs> It drives me so crazy that like kids could be into this medium that is so hyper visual and that teachers Mm -hmm. just see that as like an odd, like they see that and they associate it with like anime and manga and they, it's like an automatic dismissal when Mm -hmm. like that, that to me is absolutely wild, right? Like there's so many like beautiful aesthetic sensibilities in like manga and anime and like comic books like that takes such incredible talent to to be able Mm -hmm. to do so the like outright dismissal of that i will absolutely never understand whatsoever Mm -hmm. yeah and like the thing with cosplay too a lot of the people who like make like amazing builds Mm -hmm. like i can imagine this for rafi like i can imagine him making like stunning like normal day wear, if you will, in terms of like mm-hmm. like fashion as opposed yeah. to costume. Yeah. Um, and that's the thing, like I his mother like not understanding that like because I can make an outfit out of PVC, mm-hmm. like I just give me like normal fabric and see what I can do. Also, please okay. don't cut the the skirt on the thing. Right. Every day yeah. is the unconventional challenge for the project runaway. Yes. <laughs> yeah. 
I know people <laughs> people look at cosplays and I think they it, I mean they see like the character first and that's sort of the merit of the cosplay is that you're dressing up as a character mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. but they're not seeing like the the construction technique beneath it oftentimes when mm-hmm. it, I mean if it's done like well enough right because you're not looking at like the seams because you're just you're you see the character and that's what you see it's like such a perfect illusion mm-hmm. but yeah mm-hmm. cosplayers who are really really advanced at it oftentimes are people that work in the industry in another way I remember one of the people um alchemical cosplay and uh she was she was someone that I watched win a cosplay convention and then went mm-hmm. and like interviewed after um and she in a large part sort of inspired a lot of this but she um aside from being just like an incredible cosplayer, like she works in fashion, like she works in like leather goods and is like Mm -hmm. a very, very like polished professional. Uh, And she for a long time hid like what she did from her coworkers. Like she's, you know, she's traveling all over the world and she's got these like really highly fashionable coworkers. And they're like, what are you up to this weekend? And she would just like not tell them because there's again, like that division, but it's just so funny. Cause like even, even people who are, really incredible like artists in their own field professionally successful professional artists Mm -hmm. like still kind of have to live with that like strange derision that they anticipate um and it I don't know it frustrates me but you're you're right I mean these people cosplayers are oftentimes like so like they're multi-hyphenates in that way like they can do so many cool different things Mm -hmm. I had one of my um my one ex he went to school for um he went to Micah for, I think, their crafts program. Mm-hmm. And I remember him, like, talking to me about his, like, senior thesis, which I think was, like, animated wedding gowns. So, they they had lights and would move before the Cinderella movie came out. So, like, oh, cool. the idea of, like, something like that, like, a breathing dress was, like, really interesting to me. And, like, seeing someone who, like, I guess he, like, he lived in Baltimore, so he would make fun of the people who would come down for... Uh, Oticon it was yeah and it's like oh but God, sweetie, no. that's exactly what you're doing you're doing the same thing uh, <laughs> hello you're making Sailor Moon's like gown she moves for you honey that's wild <laughs> that's wild yeah I, yeah I don't believe in any of that stuff I I wish that people saw it as the art form that it is and mm. but at the same time I don't think that people need to take their like lofty artsy intense and mm-hmm. project it onto the craft because it can also just be fun right like you don't need yeah. to be like a van gogh at cosplay mm-hmm. if such a thing exists in order to like do it you can just slap mm-hmm. on a fucking steven universe t-shirt and go to a con and like that's that counts too because yeah. there's this participatory element to these stories and these worlds that people are really after and that's fine as well and cosplayers know that cosplayers are the first people to just accept everybody at like whatever level of participation they're at and i think it's such a beautiful thing and so that's that's kind of what i was getting at with basing a, a book in the the world of cosplay because it's such a welcoming community mm-hmm. i mean definitely is not without its faults and you know that's a sort of another conversation but but from an artistic point of view like it's a, it's an entirely open source discipline because people mm-hmm. post about it and they do tutorials and they do books and they put their patterns online and it, mm-hmm. i love that i love how accessible it is yeah definitely especially like when you go to there are like people that like if you really like their style of like uh, pattern making like you can buy stuff from from them yeah from them or like do patreon content with them and it's yep. it, it's really fascinating um yep. and i think that's like the the thing because it's been so long since i've been to a convention at this point 
um like reading this like really like put me kind of like right back into it it's like oh this is what I liked about like inventions I can I could only think previously like oh my god I can't imagine being around that many people right now and now it's like no I kind of can I can see it (laughs) Mm -hmm. I know it was writing this book was such a blessing because for the years leading up to uh, like a global year-long pandemic year plus long pandemic um I was spending as much time as I could in like con spaces and paying really close attention right like trying to soak it all in and so I felt like it sort of gave me like a a very full battery going into quarantine because I was so steeped in like these experiences Mm -hmm. which has really been a blessing yeah I know that you also do like uh costuming Mm because you've made like ridiculous costumes that I, Mm -hmm. I think are like comical but also like really well like executed um mm-hmm. i i think Thank when you. i first started following you on twitter i think it was the sexy pterodactyl when you're moving out of your mm-hmm. one apartment yes was the one that you had done <laughs> oh my god yes it was a uh i was dressed as a sexy pterodactyl because my roommate and i were saying goodbye to our apartment and our party was called bone voyage <laughs> it was like dinosaur themed <laughs> yeah honestly um and last year you did the sexy fly that was the on fly. my pants. Yes. <laughs> yeah yeah um those, those are good those are good I love it I am not I think sometimes people expect like they look me up thinking I'm going to be like this incredible like you know these beautiful handcrafted costumes like you mm-hmm. know smocking and dying and all of that beautiful stuff and that's stuff that I like love to do and, and can do as well but for the most mm-hmm. part when it comes to like the costumes I build for myself I'm a good designer because I'll design something that is like very like visually immediate Mm -hmm. but usually it's constructed out of like pizza boxes and garbage wait really yeah the pterodactyl costume is made out of a pizza box the helmet was made out of a pizza box that i cut up and glued like glued together to form like the polygon of the the beak and then the rest of it was made from um a tablecloth the wings were made out of like a party tablecloth and the and then like felt and stuff that I uh, glued to like clothes that I already had. But I didn't like pattern anything for it. I just like literally threw it. It was made out of garbage. The whole oh thing. my God. The, the question the that I have with that is, um, so what would have been like the first costume or cosplay that Rafi made and what would be the first one that you made that you were like, oh, this is the thing I love to do? Mm. The first, the first like, things that I made actually it was back in when I was in like middle school or maybe even like elementary probably middle school when I started to to do this but uh, I I loved like fashion um mm-hmm. but I couldn't find things that like were because we would go to like Marshall's and we always go to like the boys section it never occurred to me that it, I could shop elsewhere yeah. um and I would be so upset because like I couldn't find any like fun colors or patterns or anything like that so instead what I would do is I would buy clothes and I would literally pour paint on them <laughs> I would paint my own clothing <laughs> and like with like fun designs and I would mm-hmm. paint like characters and stuff I one time had a pair of pants they were jeans they were like my first skinny jeans and I painted a huge rainbow going across the crotch like a cloud on each side and then a rainbow going right across the crotch <laughs> and those were my like rainbow pants and I like I don't know what was up with me, but I just knew that like the clothing that I wanted to wear, I was going to have to like make myself. Um, And so that started with like editing pieces of things that I would buy. And then I started to make my own clothing, like shirts and shorts and things like that. And, uh, and 
eventually I, I, you know, this turned into, oh, I have an idea for a costume. I'm just going to throw it together. Mm -hmm. Uh, And Mm -hmm. so I've always made my own costumes. And like in college, I think the first like costume that I made completely by hand was I, for Halloween was um, sexy Pope John Paul. Um, And it involved like a, like, (laughs) beautiful cape with um I don't even know like that like lovely scarf that he wears and I had like a like a faceted um chalice and and it was a vodka jello shot (laughs) 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 that I like was so interested in having a prop that I didn't ever Mm -hmm. take that shot that evening and it was you know disgusting by the end of the night um that's like though yeah a commitment so that was that's not even like a real cosplay but that's where that's how I got into costuming it was just a matter of like having the skills to sort of create what I saw in my mind and then just kind of going for it um and to this day like I still I don't know that I have any like actual things that are considered like legitimate cosplays I have tons of costumes that I've made mm-hmm. right I don't know if I can say that like dressing up as the bee that landed on Mike Pence's scalp during the vice presidential debate. I don't know if that counts as like a cosplay, but like that's as close as I get. I have never built You're dressing up that's... as a celebrity, so yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah, it's more <laughs> it's more for that. As for like Raffi's first cosplay, I have no idea. I don't know. I I don't know where Raffi really began. I'm sure it was probably something in the line of like I bet it was something high fam. I'm sure it was something mm-hmm. in like the intersection of like drag and anime, which is a really huge intersection tons of stuff sort of yeah. sits in that but uh there are like tons of drag queens that do really awesome like anime inspired looks and that i can probably see being like a, a place where raffi really gels yeah i think the thing that I, I the costume i love most that like you've described was him oh yeah from the um, Powerpuff girls i think every single homosexual on the planet has looked at him and gone why haven't I done this yet? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my God, absolutely. I love, so I wanted to dress up as him for a con and I told the, so my own ex, like the one that like inspired um, Luca in this book, uh-huh. I told him about this idea and he was like, no, no, no. Like <laughs> totally poo-pooed it. Didn't think it was a good idea at all. And then we broke up, not because of this, but you know, we broke up, you like years past, we broke up. And then the next year at Comic-Con, he wanted to go as him. And he told me this like completely out of the blue. Like he had already, like we're broken up. So we're not like communicating every day. He like told me, he's like, I have already started to collect the supplies. Meanwhile, I am writing about like him, the costume in the book, Be Dazzled, like at the same time like he does not know this but it but again mm-hmm. like, it was my idea and like yeah. a, a plot point and this is in the first chapter so I'm not spoiling anything but like in Bedazzle like a plot point is that like Luca shows up in like a concept that like Raffi pitched and like got shot down and it's like yeah. a huge thing mm-hmm. that really like that I had already written that and then that actually happened in my life and then I ended up helping my ex at Comic-Con like uh-huh with this costume i like helped do his makeup i like sourced the shoes i found some really shitty shoes and sent him a link on like amazon and he purchased those i didn't do a speck of research but they were the ones that he went with because he was just like i don't know lazy and he was in pain the entire day and so that's the one revenge that i have is that i I, like recommended awful shoes to him by accident oh my god that is amazing yeah i've i've sort of lived out this is it's like a weird like manifestation but like I started this book when we were together, then we broke up and I've like slowly been like living the book out in reverse. (laughs) (laughs) It's like a bingo card and I'm like filling in each of these experiences. I wrote this. Okay, when is this going to happen? Six months from now. I know, I'm like, I'm like looking over my shoulder for like the, you know, surprise reality TV show that's going to pop up. They're already there. (laughs) Yeah, it's like already happening. Yeah. 
Oh my gosh. They're watching your YouTube channel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there you go. My only other note that I have is uh, the going, like the jumping back and forth in the book. Mm-hmm. At first, is like hard because you start off like in the present. So you start off and you're like, oh, we don't like Luca. Okay, this is good. And then you go back to like where they're like, they're meat cute and you're, and he's like very endearing. And I'm like, no, I'm not supposed to like him. Stop this. Like, Stop. It was very, I was like, no. Stop. Um, you're bad. You're so bad. But he's such like, I was, he was immediately like a character that I was like, I know this person. I know this like, this dumb hot jock who like secretly loves anime mm-hmm. and just like yeah. rolls up to a convention and looks perfect in like a Dragon Ball Z costume because they yeah. have muscles and everyone yeah. loves them even yeah. though they didn't do any of the work yeah, yeah that boy yeah, yeah. <laughs> no it's a real person we uh <laughs> and look I would I I will point out for the record that I was literally writing about like himbos well before the himbos oh my god yeah began on twitter.com <laughs> well before again luca is queen of himbos truly <laughs> yeah no he's he's but my issue with himbos that not himbos themselves but like people everyone's like i'm a himbo and i'm like do you no. know like it's like an anime trope and i feel like people who talk about it don't have a good grasp on it because a himbo is the reason we like them is because they're non-threatening right like yes. they're hot and you know muscular and all of this fun stuff but they are nice like they're yeah. sort of like dumb nice it's not just like mm-hmm. it's not johnny bravo johnny bravo is not a himbo right because he's like a womanizer and that's he's like sort sexually of, yeah. threatening to every single woman he to meets anything right that moves <laughs> yeah. which doesn't fall into the category so i don't know it, it bugs me when people are like i'm a himbo because a himbo would never be like i'm a himbo as a means of furthering my like sexual alert to you it wouldn't yeah. occur to them right No. Mm-hmm. yeah you're right I That's know, a very good I'm point. Right. <laughs> I know I'm right, Brendan. <laughs> I read the book on himbos and cosplay. Oh no. We keep making Dragon Ball Z references. Um, I'm in a few fights right now on TikTok about yet. Dragon Ball Z, so. Oh, you've gone oh, from Sailor Moon to Dragon oh, Ball Z no. now? Oh no, what's happening? I, on TikTok, I just like posted like one of those like, like, tell me you're this without telling me you're this. But it was like, it was like, give me your most like, you know, your anime hot take basically. Mm-hmm. And mine was that Sailor Moon invariably could kick Goku's ass from Dragon yeah. Ball Z, which is actually like uncontestable because it's like been verified by the creator of Dragon Ball Z. But people like people showed up in the comments, and actually everyone was like, "Yeah, you're right." Speaking facts, and a few people were like, "Actually," and then a bunch of other people just took it as an invitation to just like dump into my comments, like their anime hot takes. And suddenly, cause everyone in the anime, like obsessions has like a ton of opinions. And now mm-hmm. my comments, like no one's talking about me. Uh, it's so upsetting. <laughs> no one's talking about Sailor Moon or Dragon Ball Z or they are talking about Dragon Ball Z, but it's like Dragon, like it's like Goku could beat Naruto. And like, no one, no one cares. And I certainly don't care, but it's turned Goku into this, like, beat up this child. Yeah, yeah, Goku could beat this child up. Sure, well, I then, hope so. Then, I know. Then I was like, okay, I made like a follow-up video being like, look, the point of the video wasn't to say who's more powerful, because we know that like Goku's not going to punch like a 14-year-old middle schooler, but like the point of the video is to like basically push back on this like narrative that Sailor Moon fans have to deal with, like for whatever reason, everyone's like, Dragon Ball Z is the best. Like anyhow, so I made a video about like theory of why I made it. Everyone showed up and now they're disagreeing with me, not because of the theory, but because they're like, actually Goku would punch a 14-year-old middle schooler. He does it several times in the anime. (laughs) 
I was like so sorry. So I had to I had to issue a formal retraction of my oh, no. statement that Goku wouldn't punch a child because evidently he punches a lot of children. You're at that point in your celebrity where you have to apologize for <laughs> saying, well, I don't think this man would hurt a child. Actually, here are six instances in which he has. Well, yeah. he is a himbo and therefore just doesn't understand what's happening around him at any no. time. Yeah, Goku, yeah, Goku, yeah, they're like, Goku just wants to fight. And I'm just he just like, wants okay. to fight. He keeps forgetting that he has children. He's, he's definitely just hungry. He wants to fight. He just wants to eat and fight and yeah. be the strongest boy. Yeah. Um, Fine. Uh, Fine. Whatever. <laughs> Yeah, I feel like I had, I had like a struggle at the beginning because I was like, I don't want to like this character, but you made yeah. him like immediately endearing. But that's also like part of his quality that he's like described as in the book yeah. is that like, and it's kind of like a thing that he like struggles with where he's always like, well, no, Raph, you're like the talented one. Like you're the one who's like bringing all the creative energy. And he's like, yeah, but you're so charismatic and like everyone wants to like you. Like that's like mm-hmm. kind of the energy that they bring. Right. Um, yeah that's a help but like him i look i'm glad i that was sort of a big worry because i don't know if like you the two of you notice this but the the book as far as books go it doesn't operate like the tension in it doesn't come from like the plot you actually kind of know well first of all you know what happens to the relationship because the book begins after the breakup so Mm. you know something's gonna go wrong um and that was sort of an interesting thing about the book is i was like well like people like all the cards are on the table but we're gonna Mm -hmm. approach them in a a different order and like hopefully readers are gonna come along and sort of like trust me with this too but i i'm glad i'm glad to hear that um luca's like charisma sort of transcended knowing that like you know he in the present day he's not a good character Mm -hmm. um in part because you know it's a rom-com right we know that like it's a it's a it's a it, there's going to be a good ending right there's going to be a resolve too so we we have to make sure that like he's not completely beyond <laughs> redemption but yeah. but yeah no i charisma is a double-edged sword too i mean when you are so charismatic and i'm not speaking from experience i'm speaking from witnessing people who like are charismatic the expectations for like who you are it, it eventually it sort of gets ahead of you and people start paying attention to that like you know kind of the the illusion of you the concept of you and not actually mm-hmm. you Mm-hmm. Um, and that's Luca's struggle is that like, yeah, he gets things really easily, but he doesn't feel like they're earned and they're definitely not, you know, what he wants half the time, but it's mm-hmm. easy and it's sort of the path of least resistance. And so of course he's going to go along with it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, the one, I guess building off that too, um, I feel like the difference in reverie to bedazzled in terms of like the relationship is that Mm. I feel like in this book it's not um it's more of like a secret kind of thing and I feel like in Reverie it wasn't but like it it kind of was Dreamland um but I feel like was that like difficult to write a more like closeted version of like a love story versus like how Reverie was no, I don't know that I thought about it that way. That's a good question, though. I know Reverie, the relationship in Reverie is also, interestingly enough, the, the parallels between the two relationships is like also like in Reverie, we have like a relationship that like blew up because of circumstance. And like now these two characters are basically like navigating the smithereens of it. And mm-hmm. will they, won't they is sort of the, the big question, not like have they ever. Yeah. Um, but no, I mean, the factors are a little bit different. Um, 
in reverie, it's because they're sort of on competing sides of a war. And in this, it has a lot more to do with just, they've got basically different circumstances. And that's because like, this is a story, Beat Outs is a story about like two actual teenagers. And so I wanted to give them um, competing circumstances that kind of vie for secrecy, but are not the exact same thing. And that's why, you know, Rafi has to keep his secret a secret from his mother because of the art side of it mm-hmm. and Luca's association with that. And then Luca, of course, is kind of hiding all of his like sexuality from his parents, but also like the the anime angle because they've demonized that as well. So that wasn't that hard to write though, because that was, I mean, this is again, like it's very common. Mm-hmm. Um, and yes, I've sort of been in similar situations like that. And like, I'll, I'll give you an example. Um, when Rafi uh, and Luca sort of get into their relationship, Rafi makes the mistake of like posting about it, thinking nothing of it because mm-hmm. they've posted about it before and like actually they are like publicly together but then the wrong person finds it someone that's like part of mm-hmm. Luca's family finds it and uh and Luca demands that it gets taken down and it puts Rafi in this really difficult position of basically having to choose between being himself or being you know secretive um in a way that he's like not used to doing and like mm-hmm. I've always been a really out person. And so any relationship I've been where someone's not sort of as out as I am, like I've had to negotiate the exact same thing. Yeah. Uh, so I'm very familiar with like that time, you know, basically negotiating that level of secrecy or building secrecy into yourself when you're not used to it. It's a very kind of common struggle for, or I should say it was a very common struggle for, for me as I was growing up. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of queer people can relate to that too, because the last person I had, been seeing wasn't out to their family and it was yeah on my end difficult because i'm like 600 feet from the closet i don't i don't even know what closets look like at this point mm-hmm. um but the reality is that that is at any age is not that's not always the reality for everyone yeah um and it's it's always like interesting to see like um like people speak about it like is this like how much of this can you handle or like mm-hmm. how difficult was this for you because some people are like yeah i get it and other people on my end it's like it's difficult because it's making me feel like weird or like icky if you will right well it's asking you to it's like a sublimation of the self at some level too and when you've taken the time to construct yourself as really strong and outside of the closet sort of the to relinquish that to kind of go back in in any way oftentimes feels like such a retreat that like yeah. that's also really uncomfortable too and you know it's it's a hard thing to to negotiate and to to navigate, especially if you're a teenager when you have so little power mm-hmm. and so little like autonomy in your own life. Like you can't just leave, you can't just keep secrets. There's always going to be the threat of discovery, and so um, I wanted to include that, especially because any I think any book about like queerness, like you can't completely dismiss queerphobia and like homophobia yeah. from you know, a story written in our world, because it's going to show up somewhere. It doesn't have to be the thrust of the plot by any means, but to say like, oh, this story is completely bereft of it. Like, that's really idyllic. And that's fine too. We need those stories as well. But yeah. um, for the sake of the reality that I was writing about, it was definitely going to be present. It wasn't going to be part of Rafi's life because that's not Rafi's problem. That's not what he's dealing with. He's sort of in the closet about other things. Yeah. Um, but, but I thought it'd be interesting to kind of write about uh, two characters that are both balancing acts in their own right. Mm-hmm. Um, and that kind of jeopardized that balance by becoming closer together. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Hmm. I think it was really interesting, specifically the one scene where um, you kind of meet, I guess, like all of the people that like uh, Evie has over 
um and like you meet rocky who is a trans character and it's very this like openly like queer experience and it's like very friendly and no one is like questioning anything that about rocky in terms of his queerness but as soon as he like gently mentions cosplaying or like even the illusion of it it's like this like taboo subject and like we um rocky is like trying to be like oh i think i've heard of that like that's (laughs) fine and that's like kind of the same it like feel like it, it evoked the same feeling as if you like are talking to like a distant relative who like recently found out that you're like queer or you've just come out and they're like oh I have I think my co-worker my co-worker yes there's, there's something always like that co-worker like it like I had know. that energy yeah mm-hmm. yeah there's we always thought my aunt was ground. you know a lesbian but you know, <laughs> you know we just never you. knew <laughs> yes yeah well she has a roommate as well it's like yeah it's very that it had yeah it immediately evoked that energy where they were like I think they say it like they're is it their nephew or or they're 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 like oh I think they're they're into some kind of they wear like a dog costume oh yeah like Rocky Rocky is Rocky's my favorite Um, like side character that's not like one of the main or like secondary characters Rocky is one of Evie's like high artsy friends and um just wants to be supportive because you know (laughs) you know she wants to be supportive and so um but her she doesn't know what he's talking about and she thinks that she when she's like oh like Raffi like what do you do and Evie's like oh Raffi builds costumes he's really into cosplay if you didn't know what that was you know it's 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 this little crafty thing and Rocky's like oh yes like I know they they're very welcoming all sorts of animals in the community and Raffi's like oh she thinks I'm a furry oh not that (laughs) not this which does happen um yeah but... which and, and Rafi to his credit is like oh no I mean that's cool and all but that's not what I'm talking about like that's I'm, I'm not a fox <laughs> yeah oh yeah no we thank you but yeah thank you so much Rafi. yeah yeah oh man I know that you have a YouTube channel called is it D.I. Rye if I remember correctly yeah it's just like the Ryan LaSalle YouTube channel but <laughs> D.I. Rye is the like series on it in which I um do I, I document the arts and crafts that I'm doing and um usually they go really poorly <laughs> <laughs> I was wondering if um ha- like have is that influenced by like what you've learned for this book like has any of that been like oh that's how I'm going to learn how to do this thing Kind of. I so I do arts and crafts all the time. I'm always yeah. like making something, and I love trying new things. And I, and especially with, like being an author, I don't get to see the 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 thing that I'm working on until well after it's done. And so it's very mm-hmm. different than being able to just say, you know, I'm going to make something right now, yeah. and I'm going to get to see it like in like ten minutes when I'm done. Like there's something yeah. very gratifying about that. And so mm-hmm. I've always turned to like um, visual art for that gratification. And so it's sort of very therapeutic, but. No, I started, I started filming mostly because I, I was in quarantine and I wanted to film my exploits because I thought it'd be a fun way to kind of get in touch with like Raffi's character and, and the sort of the person that he is. Of course, I did this well after I turned the book and the book was complete by the time I was like, I'm going to do this as well. But yeah. <laughs> it was in the back of my head when I was writing that like, oh, like this would be really fun. And I did look into like setting up streams on Twitch. But um, to be honest, the idea of like live streaming something while that sounds like fun, I'm more like the idea of creating like a like an episode of something, something that yeah. has like editing and music mm-hmm. and like fun cues in it. And so, mm-hmm. uh, I have always wanted to have like my own my own little show. So that that's sort of what my YouTube has become. <laughs> I feel like we wouldn't have gotten that 
very dramatic video of you looking in a mirror <laughs> eating popcorn <laughs> while Phil Stamper's on his desk like if we had live anything. God, I love that video of me eating the, the popcorn. It's like <laughs> I think No, I love it. It's be I got into video making because for any authors that like are listening to this, if you if you become a uh, an author, oftentimes people ask you like, oh, can you make a video for our sales conference or our marketing team because they want you to ex- like they want to hear from the author in the author's own words what the book is about so that's how mm-hmm. actually I started making videos because my publisher was asking me to make basically like virtual presentations for um you know their Canadian division to like mm-hmm. meet Ryan Lestala and I was like okay well my best bet of like standing out and like getting attention and like sort of in-house support is by like showing them like like what I can do basically like Mm -hmm. that I'm a character that I've got this shtick that I you know can do like a video production type of thing and so no one ever was like can you make like a funny 12 minute video of you you know doing a really shitty job at bedazzling an egg right (laughs) like no no one has ever asked me for any of these things but I've I've always taken a lot of time and enjoy in actually doing stuff like that and I will say that it's actually produced a lot of like ripples in my publishing career to like make these videos it's sort of become the thing that I like got known for early on it was my like arc unboxing for Reverie that I think put me on a lot of people's radars um way back in the day because that was before like arc unboxings up until that point were like someone crying over a a, a, a box with like a knife in their hand yeah <laughs> that, if that's if that's Normal. your arc unboxing often often that is the case and that's wonderful yeah but I was like oh I want to do something fun and so like my arc unboxing um I like open up the box and like a have you guys seen it I, if I'm rehashing it and you've seen it I don't want to no, know I, but... I want to hear the description <laughs> so my arc unboxing instead of like well so it starts out like I have a box and I'm like so I think like my books are in this box and I like cut it open but like a beam of light shoots out at me and I'm like oh my god it's so bright because it's like reverie like glitzy glowing novel and then a yeah. hand comes up from the box with like long acrylic nails and hands and sunglasses and I like put them on and I'm like thank you so much and I proceed to like you know unbox my book but in the book is like you know it's about a maniacal sorcerer's drag queen and so like that's like the drag queen's like handing me things from the box like she hands me tea at one point she hands me honey for the tea and I like take a sip eventually she hands me the book um and I have to do like a math problem at one point she hands me like a bedazzled calculator and I like to do the math problem um and it's all it's like two minutes and 20 seconds of like complete bullshit and shenanigans um and I filmed it like my roommate is literally lying beneath my feet and you can't see her because of the way like the way the camera is but the box is like is basically in my lap there's no bottom to the box and she's just lying on her back under our couch handing me things with like a (laughs) an acrylic nailed glove on um and this is the thing that like this is like my this is my first like big like marketing thing and like book world and it like it like totally blew up, blew up for like me uh, at that time. And, uh, and it turned into this like whole thing. And, and now our unboxings have become like, I don't say that I like invented it. I definitely upped the ante <laughs> for like, for like a dramatic <laughs> arc unboxing. Um, and I've really loved seeing like what people have like done as a result. It's been, it's been a, a big joy to kind of see that side of it. Oh my God. I honestly, I feel like there's another author that I follow. Um, she, her husband, I guess, is like ripped, and like she like had him bring Shannon her... Delesky. Yes, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So Shannon and I, we share an agent. And oh my gosh! Our yes. agent Veronica is like she she, like we we've been with V forever, and she's like, yeah, I like you because you're a theatric. So Shannon and I like 
we also debuted around the same time and so we like talked about this and she was like I think I want to do this and I was like you, you fucking have to I literally just emailed her the other day because I was like do you remember in your arc unboxing when like your buff husband hands you like your books and you're wearing this like beautiful draped gown like where'd you get that gown and she like sent me the link because I like also <laughs> wanted one so yeah no I know exactly what you're talking about yeah, she like he like comes out in like a I guess like an apron and then turns around and I think has boxers on and I was like yeah excuse me yeah <laughs> yeah no I love it I yeah we are we are cut from the same cloth in that in that respect I just I love theater and I love like the theatrics of doing stuff like that too I don't think that authors need to do stuff like this so if you're like worried that like you know you don't want to be on the camera that's fine you don't have to do any of this stuff but mm-hmm. I mean you the two of you know you came to the Reverend oh book God. club meeting yeah. which was like a cabaret yeah. like so you've seen this all in person oh my god yeah meeting ryan lasala um you're like literally the same in person as you like you are in everything it's very nice mm-hmm. um and it's just like very inviting to have like a like very queer space it's like everyone here calm down okay now be as annoying like not annoying it's like um like rambunctious as just like as you want to be it's just like the Mm -hmm. funnest experience yeah I'm glad I'm glad I miss having in-person events because I mean you know like I mean they are so life-bringing and like life-affirming for for me as well to like Mm -hmm. go and of course like yes at a certain level they're about me and in my books but my favorite part of events is like making people do like fun things and like improvise and Mm -hmm we had like pose off and things like that too. And, and that's very much like not about me. It's more about just like having a good time and, yeah. you know, feeling fucking fabulous while doing it. So that's kind of the point. And I can't Being wait brought out wearing a sheet mask and then getting dropped. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> hey, I actually applied the sheet mask mid musical number. You <laughs> I did. Honestly, that, that day is, just, but it's so funny. It happened around this time last year. So like, yeah. I can't fathom that. Like that happened last year. That seems like years ago. <laughs> no, I that don't. Was, no, what? no, that was fifteen <laughs> years ago. We just haven't aged. Oh, uh, truly. This is probably a very dumb question. I noticed that in a lot of YA books, as a teenager, I used the F word like constantly. I would get in trouble for it very often. Um, I noticed that in a lot of YA books, it's just like not there, but it was in this. Um, is it difficult mm-hmm. to get like? I guess bad words put into a book that's for it depends on the publisher every publisher ah. has like different rules mm-hmm. and it depends on like what market they're pl- trying to put it in so for instance like my books because they're so fucking gay like <laughs> they're not going to make it into like a school curriculum right uh-huh. like it would just be like prohibited but like librarians love them yeah um and so like and a librarian is not going to necessarily limit like vocab in a book but like a school system might take mm-hmm. issue with that and so mm-hmm. it sort of depends on the the publisher and like their like the publishing rules and then also like what the publisher's intentions are for that mm-hmm. book like the markets they're gonna sort of put it into if like a book for instance like the honeys which is my next book it's like queer horror like that's already yeah. so prohibitively like off target for like what you would find in like this classic book fair that I probably don't need to worry about like censorship in that way because the book is not gonna the the word fuck is not gonna be the reason why (laughs) you know the book is not appearing a place it's gonna be because it's about like a gender fluid kid right like chopping people up that's a totally different ball game and same thing with like reverie it's like a drag queen sorceress like already already we are like we're in the red in like half the states in the United States so like not gonna worry about a few like fucks thrown in for for fun (laughs) 
Yeah, I like noticed that the first one I saw I was like, oh, the F word. Yeah, <laughs> no, I felt empowered. In YA, yeah, you could. There's tons. There's tons of opportunity and um, leniency when it comes to swearing. It just it tends to be like people don't want it to be gratuitous, and then also it depends on like the marketability or like the marketing plan for a book. I it I just feel like for anyone that's listening that like is in the cosplay world like yeah. this is just such an on the nose like I got your number bitch like it's just like <laughs> it's just <laughs> like I just felt like my wig thrown across state lines like it's it's by far the most like <laughs> realistic indication of like my teenage like my teenage years in terms of like a huge event that I would like save up money to go to every year mm-hmm. it was just like bonkers bizarre and it was just like so enjoyable to read I'm so glad that you felt seen by that that's a huge that feels like a huge achievement for me it's really amazing and also like any excuse to, <laughs> to talk about how I broke Sophie's prop when I met her that's incredible I can't I did not know that was like the reason that you that the two of you like knew each other that's iconic to me really? oh yeah <laughs> oh, we can probably, I'll see if I can find some baby childhood pictures of wait, wait who are you were you who are you dressed as Sophie I was Roxas I think that you may have shown me these photos I feel like I know you in like a a Roxas costume. We might have talked about it a little bit when we were like before Bedazzled was out and you kind of like had mentioned that it was hopefully around the con. Yeah, um, I could I could definitely I could definitely see you. That's a, that's a good costume for you. Yeah. I also this is are you do you what was happening? I was just about to say I recently today went to my old photo website and found so like photos of Sophie and oh, yeah, Gaga yeah. drag. It was great. Oh cool. Yeah. <laughs> That's oh, very I good. Love that. Oh yeah. Speaking of like trash cosplay, I made like her like um disco stick. monster disco stick by buying a bunch of plastic champagne glasses from the dollar store and crushing them up to make oh. it look like broken glass. That's what that was made yeah. of. I just zoomed on that today and I was like, how did she make this? Yeah, yeah I literally I love- like took a hammer to like dollar store champagne glasses incredible i love that will you send me <laughs> will you send me these i love seeing people's like homemade costumes oh my god yeah, send them over to you on twitter uh, i also sent you guys i just linked you to the um for your own viewing enjoyment the my the reverie <laughs> arkham boxing from may 28th 2019 honestly it's it's title. so wild that uh it's 2021 at this point i yeah it seems I, like very deeply unfair <laughs> We just all slept for a full year. It's fine. It does uh, feel yeah. like that. Yeah. Yeah. Slept <laughs> for a full year and acquired new Mark Jacobs makeup while we slept. <laughs> yeah, that's every every time I wake up, there's an eyeshadow palette right next to me. I don't. It just so. keeps happening. I can't stop it's it. It's just so crazy. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Um, ah. Sophie, did you have anything else you wanted to add? No. <laughs> well, I had, I had a thought. But Congratulations. <laughs> No thoughts, I just noodles. I have a thought, and it's very serious. It's completely off the track of where we are. Right now. I feel like it's not. You'll remember it later. That's, that's all right. We could, what? What is it? What's yeah. What's on your mind, Sophie? <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, your uh, thoughts and bring them. I can't talk to either of you. Um, <laughs> the uh, the just like relating. I just like my had a brain blast where I was like relating back to. Um, 
cosplay and like convention as kind of like a muddled like misunderstanding that your family has and stuff but I think I feel like that this is such a good like foundation for any kind of like queer experience and queer story because like cosplay is so like um you already said it, it's like extremely open mm-hmm. and like very non-judgmental but mm-hmm. like specifically when it comes to just like gender and everything like oh yeah Co- like dressing in as any gender in cosplay is not at all even like something you would blink an eye at it's like yeah. most definitely like even like celebrated more than anything mm-hmm. and it's such like a unique strange experience especially for like younger kids like younger queer kids to just be like oh if I'm like dressed as Sailor Moon and like everyone at this convention loves me because of it and then like at home if I like wear a pink shirt I get yelled at like that is such like a euphoric experience yeah yeah absolutely I mean and I just wanted you to really bring it down and make it serious for a second <laughs> no that's I, that's there's something so celebratory about like the art of transformation mm-hmm. in both queerness mm-hmm. and cosplay right like the the degree to which like you can express yourself through that transformation is like I don't know like it's like rapturous I that's part of what I love about being queer right because like the the physical your physical body is like such a small part of like who you actually can be if like you're human right and I think queer people understand that really innately um because oftentimes we are transforming ourselves to kind of become the person that we that we already are right on the outside uh and that's that's the same thing for 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 cosplay right like it's it's a celebratory art of uh, of transformation same thing with drag right like these are all mm-hmm. basically efforts to craft the a person that is you know as it's kind of like it gives you that power right and uh that's what I love about it as well I do love that cosplay celebrates like you know reversing genders and like the fluidity but also it's cool because it it allows people to sort of shift between like universes and take like a you know like a Victorian or like a steampunk angle on Captain America or something like that Mm -hmm. I love that I love that there are um it's, it's like, not only are there like very few rules to what you can and can't do, it's that like the, the degree to which you transgress those rules is oftentimes like the degree to which your costume is celebrated um, mm-hmm. because people love to see what like new cool thing uh, you can make up with. Um, this, is, there, this is a costume that's in the book, but I did not think of it, but like my favorite being like people come to cons often dressed as like Taco Bell uh from Beauty and the Beast which is like Belle from Beauty and the Beast but in a dress made out of tacos <laughs> like I've seen that costume many times and like that's great like a beautiful couture gown made out of taco shells and it's a di- it's like canonically like Disney like what a what a hilarious intersection and you only have access to that if you're like part of like several different fandoms and if you're like pretty steeped in in culture and also like enjoy dumb puns and like dad jokes yeah. and like <laughs> we're all looking at this costume, but we're all like, you know, enjoying a joke in a very specific space. And mm-hmm. like, that's basically, it's like halfway to telepathy. I enjoy that yeah. so much. <laughs> I love, yeah. I think like one of the best times at a convention is when you can find like this like extremely unique costumes where it's like, oh, this person is like the Belcher family from Bob's Burgers, but they're also all like in Gundams and like they yes. like just like that kind of thing or like oh this person is like a Disney princess but they also are like dressed as and like they have like Sailor Moon like costumes but you can tell like this one is Snow White blah 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 right. like that that kind of transition is just like I love that stuff yeah I yeah. think the celebration of like 
accuracy like if you see someone who's like oh you look like you literally just walked out of the video game is like mm-hmm. wild but when you see someone who just has like a costume that's just like how did you even think of that and it's mm-hmm. perfect like that it's so it's so amazing how did you yeah. do that with your brain <laughs> yeah right. how did your brain come up with that <laughs> i did i did a post for um i forget who i did it for but it was basically it was like like what your cosplay says about you and i like strongly believe that all those people that were told they were like gifted in like elementary school just went on to become like mashup cosplayers um like that's what that's where they're applying themselves now <laughs> oh no oh man um <laughs> did you guys want to talk at all about the brendan fraser movie bedazzled so i i about all the versions of books i found while I, was... I literally every i think i told one of my friends that i was like oh i'm reading a book called bedazzled or like i'm waiting for this pre-order or something and they were like oh is it based on the movie bedazzled with brendan fraser oh, and elizabeth brendan hurley fraser. and i was like the what now and they're like, yeah, you've never seen it. It's the gayest movie ever. And I was like, I'll be the judge of that. Um, they were right. Yeah, <laughs> were okay. right. I haven't seen it yet. I do plan to to watch it. It um, I, but be- I had never even heard of it. I've only ever heard of it because people tell me like, oh, does it have any relation? I feel like it's been kept yeah. from people that like would do the most with the knowledge that that, that like having watched that movie brings It'll you. It'll make them too powerful. Yeah. Um, right. Elizabeth it's, Hurley. It's like an infinity Stone. <laughs> yes, it's, it's true. All of her outfits are Infinity Stones. <laughs> yes. You know what? You're right. <laughs> Honestly, Elizabeth Hurley as the devil. Also, there's a point in the movie where she's ginormous. She's just giant, and she's he's like on her finger or something cool. like that. <laughs> Who? <laughs> Who? Who? Yeah, good, qu- like good question. <laughs> I do love anything with Brendan Fraser. Him in the Mummy is it remains a awakening of some sort. Yeah, yeah. there are oh, reasons. That whole movie is yeah, wait, okay. The combination of Brendan Fraser in like tight pants and then like he wears like holsters and stuff, and then also like uh, Rachel Weisz. Oh, Rachel like, Weisz, incredible! In all her, in every out. It's like a bisexual. Yeah. It's true. Yeah. Um, and then you throw like Anksuna Moon in there. She's like getting murdered in every timeline. Like hits out fighting with da- with like daggers killed. She comes back all the time. No one has, no side chick has been murdered more than, than the poor Anksuna Moon. She has like a violent death in every, every timeline. I feel so oh bad God. for her. We, Marvel that. could never. Marvel honestly. could never. Um, there's like a, an artist I follow on Instagram who is they things have been delayed so it's they're still calling it brendan fraser february but like their stuff is launching in march but they're doing like a whole clothing line that's brendan fraser themed oh that's i'm incredible. so excited, <laughs> is so it, excited. Like, can i is it can i get like my like archaeolo like archaeologist looks finally <laughs> i feel like well, that's something goodness gracious but now we're all just looking at pictures of brendan fraser i mean yeah i'm just looking at google images of brendan fraser Here's the thing, though. If you think about the first episode we had, we spoke about troll beads. <laughs> troll beads. For Still like get ads for troll beads. 40, yes, for 45 <laughs> minutes. Every time I walk by that store, I think about going in there and like getting something. It thinks about you. <laughs> it's trying to pull me in. It's like, yeah. come on. You know you want a troll bead. You know you want you know, a you cast know iron you want. troll in agony. I can't believe that there is a whole fucking company we don't we're not going down this path again but no. <laughs> rest assured it's as baffling today as it was then 
exactly one year ago just as concerning just as concerning oh man oh man should we just slowly fade the audio with us like mumbling of reverend Frazier at the end of the episode <laughs> that's it that's the end of it we only we only gather ryan here in his many his many different ways to, <laughs> to talk to him about things that have nothing to do with anything which is we fine. trick you into saying we're going to talk about your book and then we immediately derail <laughs> i'm more than happy i it's always enjoy it congratulations on your 75th episode thank you i completely <laughs> forgot to put that in the intro <laughs> it is such a big milestone such a big achievement i'm so excited for you guys thank you so much honestly th- like getting to talk to you three times is just like very like very nice <laughs> i love that i love it for also i'll see you for the hundredth yeah sure. Right back. <laughs> sure. that's actually next oh. year if you think about it which is wild to me oh yeah is I'm it because so you, you guys do once a week or every two weeks every two weeks um sometimes we do um like and so this episode will come out march 1st so mm-hmm. march will have three episodes since february short we had 2020 like planned out like sophie and i made like an excel chart and then obviously 2020 happened and it was just like a hectic. Yeah. So we're, we're taking it a little bit differently this year, but I think we usually end the year with like 22 books read. And then like, um, I think we do like the special, like, Oh, our favorite books of the year episode, mm-hmm. um, which is always like a fun thing to do. <laughs> trying to see if we're stealing books from each other on our lists. I love, I love that. I listened to that one this year and I, it was great. It was cute. Yeah, 2020 had a lot of good books, though, for as, as terrible as it was. For as yeah. many books that got delayed, because there was definitely a lot, especially mm-hmm. books that were supposed to premiere over the summer or towards the end of the year that we were going to read and then got delayed. And then, yeah. you know, it happened. As things do. As things do. Yes. All right. Well, um, again, thank you so much for talking to us. My name is Brandon Patrick. That's Sophie Green. We have Ryan LaSala with us today, and we've been talking about his book, Bedazzled, and you've been listening to the Superlit Podcast. Justin for Oxford to move. If anyone ever asked me why I'm gay, I should just pull up a picture of Brandon Fraser and go, have you seen this man? Yeah. Yeah, you pull up the mummy. Yeah. Have you seen this cast? <laughs>